school chapel on Tuesday morning. Bloomfield for Bible Winter Camp, for Bible class Wednesday evening. But it's kind of interesting to send the sermon. And it's just not this thing a long time since last Sunday. Anyway, it is good to be with you. What a great blessing it is to be able to meet together with the brethren here at Franklin County. And what a great blessing it was to be out of town when they say this. You know, God works in serious ways. Uh, so we've got some scheduling to do to get some stuff done on that. Next thing is text your ball. But if any of you can freely for the thing, if any of you think you're good at printing ball paint and rolling paint, you're interested in doing that. You see me afterwards, and we work that schedule out. But anyway, um, so we'll look at that. Hopefully, get a text to it uh, Thursday. And maybe put one third on and Friday or something. And then we'll let it take a few weeks before we take it off to especially. Uh, but anyway, it's great to be here. So everything happening, moving along. Most importantly, God's in control. He's left us with a beautiful day out there. If you like leaves on a tree, you better be looking at them before we leave this week. Probably the rest of them are going to be gone. Well, they won't be gone until they're on the ground. So then the work begins, right? Uh, but God is so great, so awesome. You know, one of the blessings I have in being a guy who likes to sit in tree stands and ground blinds, uh, you know, I got a lot of time sometimes just to read God's word there, and what a great thing that is. Read the first Timothy Titus a few times uh, while I was out there, and I think about where we're at, uh, verses 13 and 14 of the book read for us. And the two words I'm mainly going to look at is retain from the New American Standard. I believe the New King James uses the word hold fast, but retain and then guard. So you got to retain something, retain it. You know, I think about things like studying for a test, and you know how I have to do long uh, term retention. And I remember those things sometimes. So you got to retain those things. And my mother knew I had a retention problem. That's why she would say, you know, I told you once, I told you a thousand times. So you think about that, but you, let me tell you what, brother and sister, we have a responsibility to retain things. So, you know, if you sat through a Bible class and a sermon, it wasn't just for an entertainment factor. It wasn't to punch the clock, but it was so you could learn God's word here again another time, and so you could retain that message so that it will affect your life for God, and so that you can share with other people. And so I think about how important that is. So remind you, when he says, retain the standard, retain, there's a standard. Standard? Yeah, there's a standard. Have you ever looked at one of those standards that they put out? Someone pulled it up on Google. Of how tall you are and how much you should weigh. There's a standard. Don't meet that standard. Okay, there's a standard. I, matter of fact, you're better than that. You see the standard. Okay? So you can look at that, and we see the standard. You know, I didn't say you had to meet that standard, but this standard, you better meet. And so he tells us what the standard is. He says, the standard of sound words. We can have many different opinions on many things, and we do. And that's okay, and we might have strong opinions on certain things, and I might have strong opinions on totally the opposite of you. That's okay. You know, I look out there, not everyone drives the same make of vehicle, 
Some people need one life, some need the other, and some says, whatever I got to do to So you look at that, you don't have to agree on that. There's so many things that people are very strong about. If you want to get into some things, get into politics. Get into anything that's on the news right now. Most people have strong opinions. And uh, so you can look at that. But the sound words, he's not just talking about what Kendall said. That doesn't make it right. What my mama said, that doesn't make it right. Listen to this. What the church says, that doesn't make it right. The standard of sound words, sound words found in the page of the Bible, this word. And so we've got to retain. Now, I think about that a lot when I get retaining something. And the reason I think about it, maybe it's because I'm getting older. Anyway, uh, as we get older, but I think about things back, and I think about, and I was just talking about preachers that I know, and some of the preachers I know, I've known for a long time, I want to ask you to do something while I bring it up. Keep Wayne Robbins in your prayers. Wayne Robbins a preacher in Park, Kansas City, or Park City, Kansas, depending on where and uh, Wayne's in his 80s somewhere. He's kind of a kid. Uh, he's one of the preachers that affected me, and he's one of the guys that part of the reason I preached the gospel. But uh, his wife, Geraldine, passed away yesterday. So anyway, please uh, keep Wayne and that family in your prayers. Um, so, but I think about that, and I think about those old preachers from days gone by. You know, I, I told you before. One of my favorite books in my library is a certain outline book, and Kenneth Brown, who happened to be my step-grandfather, is his certain outline book. You know what? Now, it's got where he preached it and the week and year that he preached it in every summer camp. See, he went to the time for Southwest and Bill Cumberland and preached and trained a lot of young people. He was one of those teacher of boy preachers. He did a ton of us. But you know what? That, if it came from God's word in the 50s and 60s, that same message is the exact message today. We got to retain that subject. It doesn't change from the times. We got all kinds of things people think change from the times. And some things do. Media change a bunch, right? I mean, you think about that. I'm wearing a tie bike. It's being recorded. It'll go out on social media. It'll be listened to in far countries. When I started preaching 40 years ago, plus, that wasn't happening. But that message still has to stay the same. The way it's delivered, or the avenues in which it can be delivered, have exceeded anything I would have ever dreamed of. But he says, here's what we've got to do. We've got to retain the standard of sound words. Now, while we get on that, remember, uh, if you look over in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, it says, preach the word. That's where he says, be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and so with great patience and struggle. you got to preach the word. Don't give your opinion. Don't give them what you think. I get tired of it. I listen to every once in a while service, and God tells me what he thinks. I listened to a guy the other day read from a passage of Scripture. Well, really, one of the Scripture is some paraphrase. And it kind of says, well, I think. It's not the passage that I think. You know, I look at that, and I think, man, why don't you skip to the book? Retain the standard. You've got to preach the Word. You know my statement, but I use all the time. We need to give the book. 
the chaff and the bird. Give them the word. Let them see it for themselves. While we're thinking about that idea, if you just look back into 1 Timothy in chapter 6, let me hit verse 3 and at least the first part of verse 4. If anyone advocates a different doctrine that doesn't agree with sound words, that's just, have you ever heard somebody preach or teach something that isn't what the Bible says? Well, yeah, I've heard that. Well, here it says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine that does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, his doctrines conforming to God, here's what you need to know about it. He is conceited and understands nothing. If you're silly enough and ridiculous enough and ungodly enough to claim that your message is from God when it's not found in this book, you don't know a thing. He goes on and says, uh, but has morbid interest in controversial questions, disputes about words out of bribe, envy, strife, abuse, and all. Oh, he just goes on, doesn't he? Get to the book. Let me, let me make sure you know something. You know why there's division in religion today? This book never divides in This book unites. There's only division when you deviate from it. This book unites. I mean, that's what it does. Now, it might bring separation between the ungodly and the godly, but the message is uniting. It brings people together, and it will always bring people together, and the Bible demands agreement on it from faithful Christians. So it isn't, well, you have your opinion and I have mine. You might be both might be wrong. But the doctrine of the New Testament is the covenant we live under, and it's always right. That's okay. That's still what it says. Let's look at another one. Galatians chapter 1. This is it's really straight at it. Galatians chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read 6 through 9. Listen to some of these words. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting the deserter. John just retired from the military. He didn't deserve to be retired. If you served in the military, would it be good to be known as a deserter? There was a television show when I was a kid that guy that broke the sword, just branded was the name of He was branded a deserter in the Old Western. Uh, he really wasn't a deserter, but he was a branded deserter. But I want you to think this. These people have deserted. They've deserted him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. How many gospels are there? Now look, they did, well, no, he said they went for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Well, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, say the sinner's prayer, and you'll be saved. You are dis distorting, perverting the gospel. You're a deserter when you do that. Not because Jim said so, we just read it, Galatians 1. Uh, verse 6 and uh, verse 7. But he says, here, just know how pointy is about this. But even if we are an angel from heaven, even if an angel comes and appears to you, and should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
it's not a good thing to be a curse. I still like the 1901 American Standard in this translation that it's an apple because it uses the word immaculate. You know what that means? It would be better if you never existed. It would be better if you never existed than to preach something contrary to this. So when you're going to stand up, I, I take this serious. If you're going to stand up and preach the Bible, you better make sure you preach the Bible. And if you don't, you'd be, it'd be better if you never were born. That's pretty serious words, isn't it? That comes to Even if an angel appears to you tomorrow night and tells you, oh, we're going to change things. You don't have to be baptized for forgiveness. That angel's a liar. Don't believe him. This book's always true. In case you're disappointed, verse 8, look at verse 9. As we have said before, he's going to repeat himself. Whenever my mother repeats herself, I knew she was serious. As we have said before, so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, he is to be a curse. Wow. How important is it to retain the standard of sound words? Well, if you don't, then you'd be better off if you've never been born. So this retaining sound words is so, so important. And I said the uh, New King James used the word hold fast, so I thought about a few passages where the New York Standard also would then use the words hold fast instead of retain. Just a couple of them I want to hit on. Um, Go to Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Go to verse 25. Go to verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. What do we confess? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's talking about the message that comes up. Hold fast to it. Don't let anybody shake you. Well, I think maybe Muhammad. What did you say? Hold fast to that confession. One more, turn over to Titus. Titus chapter 1, listen to this one. Titus 1 and verse 9, because we've got to move on from retaining the guard, because we want to get something else later. But Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. In the qualification of a man to service an elder, here's one of the qualifications. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Holding fast the faithful word. Do men who serve as elders have to stand on this book and this book only? And if they don't, well, even if you call them elders, they're really not elders because, you know, just because you, let, let me make sure, I'm going to make this real funny. You got two men in America, and they love each other. And they go through this ceremony, and they get a marriage license. And in the United States, through the United States, they're legally married. Are they biblically married? God will not join two men together. If God didn't join them together, they're not married. I don't care what you say. They're not married. It's what God, now, you do have to go through the laws of the land. So in this country, when Tammy and I got married many moons ago, we were married before God as a man and a woman that had the right to be married 
And we also, in the state of Kansas, had to get a marriage license because we have to also abide by the laws of the land. But let me tell you what, when the laws of the land condone something that God forbids, the law of the land is wrong. Okay? On anything. So I want you to think about that. When we, when we think about this point here, we got to hold fast the faithful word. Okay? They've got to hold fast. So even if you would call a man an elder, even if the congregation agrees he's an elder, even if they appoint him as an elder, I think if we go to Acts chapter 20, the Holy Spirit who's got to do the appointing. And that's going to be according to this book. That's how the Holy Spirit does it. He wrote it down to make it simple for us today in 2021. You know what? In America, we kind of got it made. We're taught to read at a young age. And the Bibles are so rarely available. I've mentioned it many times. You can go to Dollar Tree and buy one for a dollar. So I say, you can buy a Bible. It's inexpensive to buy. To buy. I don't say a Bible's cheap. Because the value, what it costs for us to have a Bible is huge. But it can be bought very inexpensive. There's no reason... No reason that someone today in America can use it. They don't know what the Bible says. That they choose not. Because we have the capability to read and see what it says. So let's think also. So we've got to retain the standard of sound words. But then he also says, guard through the Holy Spirit. Again, going back to the Word, we're given the written Word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. All if I had time, we go to Acts 2 and verse 38, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. But the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to us. We got to guard. What do you need to guard something? So we're going to leave you at this place, and I say, guard it. Don't let anybody in this gate. You guard this entrance. Here, here's a gun. People put me in those situations more than one. They hand me two guns. Like I said, I had two 38s. I just need an axe, and I'd be scriptural. No, an axe, two 38s. But anyway, <laughs> they gave me two five, 38 each pocket. I said, I'm going to come in and go. But anyway, you look at don't let anybody in this gate. That was pretty serious when they hand you a gun tell you not to let them in the gate, right? So they plan on me guarding that gate. Now, what if they did? Well, they just love them. They wouldn't have given me the responsibility to guard the gate. Does God expect us to guard what the Holy Spirit has given us? To guard. Now, I like this statement, so don't take it. I mean, don't take it to an extreme. But I think sometimes we 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 take on tasks that aren't ours. I like the guy who said, I think it was Dan Chambers. I'll think who he's here. Um, who said. The Bible doesn't need defending. It's just like a line. You turn it loose and it defend itself. Isn't that true? Just give them the book. Tell them what it says. It's straightforward. You know, I don't have to think. This is what it says. What's it say? There's going to be any silver and any plainness. Just give them, in my words, the book, chapter, and the verse. So look back at 2 Timothy and go back to verse 12. Even before we get to verse 13 and 14, which is our text. But in verse 12, he ends and says, I am convinced that he is able, God, to guard that which I have entrusted him until that day. I've given God 
my sins, I've entrusted my soul, my salvation to him, and he's able to take care of it. Why do you trust God with it? Because he can give it to God. You know how I know that? Because he put his son on the cross to save my soul. Talk about that. There's nothing more loving than God letting his son die for me. No way do you deserve any of that. Any of it. But he loved you that much. So he entrusted God. He, he trusted God to guard what had been entrusted to him. And then he goes on and says, now you've got a responsibility to guard what God entrusted to you. Have you ever heard this term, turnabout's fair play? God says, now I'm doing this for you. This is what I want. I think about this a lot. And I'm not going to take time to go to the passage to show you this, but. You know, Jesus died for us. You know what our responsibility is to do? To live for him. We know oh, that's too tough. Well, then let's just go ahead and die. He died for us. Now, my job is to live for him. And we have to do that. Look over in uh, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. This time he's going to talk about a person, Alexander the coppersmith. When you get to verse 15... He says, be on guard against him yourselves, for he vigorously opposes our teaching. Sometimes you've got to warn people about people who teach false doctrine. you got to watch out, because these people mean bad news. They are trouble. They vigorously oppose us. You know, the people that kind of rub Tim O'Cox the wrong way to most are the people who, not who are aggressive, I get tired of them too, but passive aggressive just rubs me the wrong way. That's kind of like a pattern. Uh, I guess you just have to take your loves. You ever have someone's got to tell on everybody else all the time? Well, no one wants to be around too. See the pattern tell. You think about that, you think about the point here it is. He said, here's this guy, and he's going to be bad news. He's against what we're doing. He's against the message. He's against the word. So you've got to guard that which the Holy Spirit has given you, the word of God, and you've got to guard against people who oppose it. Wow, this retaining and guard, there's a lot in these verses, isn't there? Look at another one, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. Then we're going to go back to 2 Timothy 1 real quick. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to this. Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men falling to fall from your own steadfastness. We've got to be on our guard so what doesn't happen? You don't stay alert, you'll be sucked in. You ever been sucked in by people? And then it, and then it goes long enough and they prove themselves, and you know, I got sucked in, but I'm not going to stay sucked in. He says you've got to be alert to what's going on around you. Or you can get in a volatile situation. I heard Kathy tell the story about on their drive here that John must have been alert when he was driving. And he went, <laughs> hard braking because if he wasn't uh, they'd have been lunch for a tractor trailer but you look at it you got to be alert when you're driving or 
You can end up dead. Did you know that? You got to be alert. You know, more important than that, you got to be alert spiritually. You got to be alert with what God's word says. Just oh, you know, everyone always likes to tell you all the pretty flowery things, but that's not what the book says. You guys have heard me say this time and time again that if you know the truth, there is obvious. The problem is sometimes we don't know the truth well enough to know there's one there. You've got to spend time with it. We've got to retain the standard of sound words, and we've got to guard against that. Look, look back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to hit one more thing in verse 14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to us, which has been entrusted to us. In the next chapter, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, he tells us the things you have heard from me in the presence of many women entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What happens if we give you the plan of salvation, we give you passages to teach people the gospel, we entrust you with it, but you don't teach anybody? We wasted our time on doing He says, if you entrust unfaithful men with, them, with anything, they won't come through. But faithful brethren, listen to me, they always come through with what you entrust them. So we've got to retain the standard of sound We've got to guard to the Holy Spirit what's been entrusted to us. God trusts us with this message. We've got to take it and we've got to uh, share it. While we think about that, turn with me back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. What have we been entrusted with? The gospel. Brothers and sisters, we're not just churchgoers. Faithful Christianity isn't accomplished by perfect church attendance. Now, I'm not condoning being absent, okay? But sometimes people act like that's it. Well, I come all the time. Well, how many people do you talk to about the gospel? Where you work, your neighbor, your family, whatever. Do you tell them what's straight up, what it says? You've been entrusted with that message. We've got to look for opportunities and take advantage of the opportunities that God supplies us all the time. We've been entrusted by God with that. Now go back over to 1 Timothy 6. I just have one minute to do this. 1 Timothy 6. And verse 20. Old Timothy. I always have that one. I'm on the Old Timothy. <laughs> Old Timothy. Guard what has been entrusted to you. There both of those words. Guard what's been entrusted. Guard what's been entrusted to you. And while you're doing that, avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called not. We live in a time, you know, I've known a lot of people, and I'm not against formal education all the time, too, but I've known a lot of people that are formally educated, and they think their education and making you understand how educated they are is more important than us understanding what God's given us. I typically call those educated idiots. You know, you look at that, it gets down to, well, what's the Bible say? 
You know, if you use a lot of big words, if I spend all the time talking about Greek verb tenses to you, and we talk about the areas tense in Greek, most of you are going to turn me off pretty quick, aren't you? Because you've never studied Greek, and you don't know what verb tenses are. You've definitely never heard of aorist tense. So you look at that, and there better be a better way to teach it to people who don't know Greek. And so we talk about a verb tense we don't have in English that starts and never stops. It's a continuous action verb. We just have action verbs. Continuous action verb. When you find it in that tense, it's something that starts and never stops. See, there's an easy way to say that. And if you're at least knowledgeable enough to know what you're teaching, you ought to be able to, I'm going to say dummy and but if you're able to explain things where people can understand. Jesus did it all the time, didn't he? It wasn't that purpose of parables. I'm going to take this earthly thing and I'm going to apply this simple earthly thing to something that's way beyond. It's heavenly thing. It's heavenly spiritual message. And so we have to work to do that all, all the time. One last passage. With this idea of retaining the standard of sound words and guarding through the Holy Spirit what's been entrusted to us. Go to Titus. Um, Titus chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 3 and then we'll get ready to have an invitation. But at the proper time manifested even his word. He made known his word. His word. Whose word? His, God's word. This is God's word. It doesn't change. Do you know encyclopedias change? Do you know that? If you've got Encyclopedia Britannica, and it's dated 1976, do you know they've added stuff to it since then? What is wrong with them? That's why I quit. It finished high school. They shouldn't have come up with anything new since then. And I would tell people, you know, I have kids today. You know, you study U.S. history, and you know, you guys study about the Vietnam War in your history class. We didn't study the Vietnam War in history class. It was current events. Here's the things I'm just, but you know, listen to me, brothers and sisters, this is so important. This book, God's Word, never, ever, ever changes. There's not going to be amendments to the Constitution of the United States of America, not the original one. It has amendment after amendment after amendment. There's no amendments to the Bible. Have people tried to come up with latter-day revelations? All good. Like Jude 1 and verse 3 said, this is the faith which has been once for all good. It's done. That's about 180. It's done. There's no new ones after this. How important that is to see. So we look here. He says, in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. says, I tell you what, it's a commandment by God, and we've been entrusted with this message to go and share it with the world. Now, you and I, I think about this. Of course, if we haven't been doing that, we need to repent, right? If we haven't been doing that, we need to repent. We need to change our ways. We need to share that message. It always interests me that people have been Christians 30, 40, 50, 10 years. Say, well, I just don't know what to say. You're kidding. You've been at this. Well, now, what would it be like if you had a job and you worked for an employer 
and you've worked with him for 10 years, and you still don't know how to do the job. You think he, I bet you wouldn't work here 10 years. I bet you he'd let you go all before that. Or the union's way too strong, one too. That's just ridiculous. Falls on me, it's my responsibility, it's yours. And you know what? We'll get into this this evening. We are the most joyous thing you can do is share the saving message of Jesus for the lost souls. And the most enjoyable thing there ever is is to see someone who finally grabs it and decides to put on Christ and baptism because they see what the Bible says. And they go from a lost state to a saved state. That is as happy and as joyous it is. And God has said, here you go, retain this standard. Guard what this says, and I trust you with it. Did he do well in trusting you with it? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to do it today. If you're a Christian and you've not been who you need to be, fix that this very day. Don't let anyone back to that. If we can help you, please come to this. Bye, happy.